You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'm excited to welcome Brian Smith, founder of UGG Australia Brand, to the program. He's a passionate innovator, entrepreneur, and one of the most sought-after business leaders in our country today. He started off with only $500 in capital and over 17 years built UGG Australia Brand into a multi-million dollar international enterprise. As the founder of the brand, he is committed to teaching fellow entrepreneurs how to leverage their most precious assets and their passions to create fulfilling lives. Brian joins us today to share how you, too, can turn your passion into a successful enterprise. Brian, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Hey, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure, sir. I'd just like to say a great way to stay informed about the great guests like Brian that we have on our show each week is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. If you go to criticalmassforbusiness.com, at the bottom of every page, any page, all the pages of our website is a join our mailing list box. Simply type in your email address, hit subscribe. We won't do anything else with your email other than register you for our once-a-week newsletter that talks about our guests. You'll start receiving it, and it has information about our upcoming guests as well as special insights from me and a synopsis of our previous week's guests. All right, Brian, let's get started. Tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. I started after high school working as an accountant and studying. I studied for 10 years to become a a CPA, which is like, you know, a chartered accountant down there. And after I graduated, uh, I quit the same day because I hated accounting. And uh, it took a few months of sitting around wondering what I was going to do. And then one day I just got goosebumps because I thought, oh, my God, all the big trends are coming out of California. You know, Levi jeans and waterbeds and, and surf brands and all that. So I, I thought, I'm going to go to California, I'm going to find the next big thing and bring it back to Australia and, and make a fortune. So within a couple of weeks, I landed in Santa Monica with my surfboard and uh, a few clothes, and uh, I immediately started surfing Malibu because that was one of my big dreams. And after a month, I, I still hadn't found the next big thing. And, and another month, I'd made tons of friends up there, but I still hadn't found the next big thing. And it was during the third month that a buddy of mine was down, we were going to go surfing again that day and, and he brought the latest issue of Surfer Magazine and I was flicking through it and suddenly I got goosebumps again and here's a photograph in, in the magazine of these feet up in front of a fireplace with she, you know, uh, the legs with sheepskin boots on and I went oh my god there's no Ugg boots in America and one in two Australians had some sort of sheepskin footwear at that time so I just thought, my God, you know, talk to my buddy Doug, we're going to be instant millionaires. Let's go to business. So, so we called up the manufacturer, and, and after a you know, long story short, we got the rights to, to you know, distribute his boots in California. And that was the beginning of the, of the entire Ugg sheepskin boot story. So, so did you realize what you had, the opportunity that you had in front of you, or did it, did did is it did it as it unfolded ex- exceed your expectations? Well, I thought we'd be instant millionaires because I knew how big they were in Australia. But what I 
didn't realise is that Americans don't understand sheepskin the way Australians do. You know, Aussies know that you know it's it's virtually indestructible. You can get it wet; it stays warm when it's wet. You can get mud and slush. You just wash them, you know. But Americans are thinking, "Oh my God, it's too delicate. It's hot. It's prickly. You can't get them wet." You know? And so, what I thought would be a slam dunk turned out to be a really, really long, difficult process. And it, it, I ended up writing a book about this entire uh, growth and business all the way till the time I sold it, and, and a lot of philosophical lessons. And the one that relates here is that you know, for every entrepreneur must have some level of ignorance before you start out because if you knew all the things you were going to be you know, faced with, you'd never start. So th- th- this was just a classic example of my ignorance sort of leading me through the, the beginning stages. Did, did you make early? Did you make decisions early from a marketing perspective that allowed you to create such a well-known worldwide brand? Well, the answer is no. I, I thought I was because I was running all these ads. You know, the first year's sales. We, we, when, when I went to the surf shops, you know, they all told us, "Well, we're going to be millionaires because all of the surf market knew about them because of all the American surfers who brought boots back to California." So that part, I thought, this is so easy. But I started running ads the first year. We're using these, you know, beautiful models on the beach at Wind and Sea, and and the sales were like, you know, twenty thousand dollars and. So I got better-looking models the following year, and the sales were twenty-five grand. And, and the next year, better-looking models and you know, more, more expensive photographers, and and the sales just weren't happening. And it was one night I was having a beer with one of my uh, customers down at Ocean Beach, and I said, "Rob, you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm doing all the right things, but these things just aren't catching on." And he called out the back, and all these little twelve-year-old grommets come running out, you know. And he says, "What do you guys think of us?" And they all just went, oh, those Uggs, man, they're so fake. Have you seen the ads? Those models, they can't surf. And I instantly realized for three years I'm sending the wrong message to my target market. They were, the, you know, the ads weren't real. They were just made up. Mm-hmm. And so within like a week, I, I found a buddy up there, Pete Townend, who was a former world surfing champion. And lived in Huntington Beach, and I said, Pete, do you, do you have any young kids at the scholastic level that are about to turn pro? I, I'd love to hire them, but i got no money. And so he gave me a couple of guys, and one was Mike Parsons. And so I, I started running ads with Mike Parsons, just, you know, walking to the beach at Black's Beach or at Trestles. And uh, instantly, when I say instantly, I mean the month I started running the ads, we, we went to 200000 in sales for that that season and it just made me realize how i'd been sending the wrong image to my whole market and how i'd never really gone in and checked it was just a fluke basically that these kids who were my market told me quite bluntly what i was doing wrong are are these the type of are these the type of lessons that you, based on your experience, that are in your book and is also now in in the keynote speaking and the, the, yeah. the business coaching yeah. that you do? That's yeah. That, thanks for asking. The the, uh, the book um, has fifty one business principles that that I learned during this period, and they're not things about how to increase your bottom line or how to become an effective leader and 
it's none of that bullshit. You can get that in all the colleges, you know, all, all across the country. But mine are what I call boots on the ground business tips. And these are, <laughs> these are real hardcore things you learn by being in the trenches. And, uh, you know, that, that one about learning how long it took to get the marketing right. You know, it was one of my principles in the book is that, you know, the quickest way for a tadpole to become a frog is live every day happily as a tadpole. Because there's a certain time, there's a certain timing to every business, and you know you've just got to wait it out until you, you till things click and you get it right, and then suddenly you'll be launching up on a new level. And so they're the types of business tips that I talk about. Brian, I wonder if you could um, help me to understand or share with our audience your philosophy on small entrepreneurs who are getting started going after a niche. I heard in your in your words about starting UGG, you were looking at a very specific client. Now, maybe your advertising wasn't bent towards that person, but you, you had a very specific niche in mind. Is that part of the advice, or can you at least talk about that strategy and yeah, how you feel well, about well, that? When, when, I first, when I first started you know, bringing the boots in, I thought we were going to be a hit for everybody. I mean, our first trade show was, was in New York, and I'm thinking everybody will catch on, but none of them did because of the, the fear of sheepskin. And so I had to literally sit down and think, well, well, why do all my friends up at Malibu think this is such a great idea? And it dawned on me that they all surfed, and all the California surfers who'd been to Australia on their little, you know, odysseys had brought four or five pairs back for their buddies. So... Within the market, it was really well known. So the answer is I didn't start out with a tiny niche. I started out with the entire world at my feet and, and realized that I didn't have a clue about how to get into a niche. So, but once I got into the niche of surfing and I saw how, like, it was instantaneous from 20,000 to 200,000, that's when you know, it, was, it was real easy to get into the snowboarding and skiing market because I just duplicated the same methodology and when i was back east for instance you know, we, we'd started getting california and you know uh utah going really well arizona's going well but if i went back east to to illinois or you know in indianapolis or or uh you know back into boston new england they didn't have a clue because none of them ever surfed they don't read surf magazine they, they didn't know how to so I had to try and figure out, well, what do they do? And I was traveling with my reps and asked a bunch of the retailers, and they said, oh, the kids all play hockey. Mm. And that was like, duh, you know, of course they do. They, they, and what a brilliant market for me. They have to wear something to go to the hockey rink. They have to change shoes when they're there. And their moms have to bring them and sit in those freezing cold rinks. So it was a perfect niche to advertise to. And though, by building all these niches, Eventually, the mainstream uh, retailers started to see how the overlapping worked for pretty much all of their own customers. So, so I have about a minute left before our next stop. But could you okay. take us back to that time when you saw it going from a series of interrelated niches to mainstream and how you were able to successfully navigate that? Because that sounds like a great and exciting time. But I also know, you know, Anything good has a has another sine wave on the downside, and did, how did you get yourself through that? Because there must have been something that was a worry a worry point about going mainstream. Yeah, well, that's that's worth a lot more than a minute. Do I still have a minute? 
Would you like us to take a break and come back and talk about that in the next segment? You could do that because that's a really good topic, yeah. Okay, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in like 30 seconds with Brian Smith. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Told you we'd be back quickly. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We love reviews of our shows on your favorite podcasting software, iTunes and all the others. It's a great way for others to find our show. Since we started in 2009, we've reached over 200 listeners with our podcasts on our live stream. I'm talking with Brian Smith. He was the founder of UG Australia Brand. We took the break. Right, at, right before we took the break, we were about to talk about that time when you went from a collection of niches to mainstream. Brian, can you can you take us back to that time and take us through your thinking? Sure. It first started way back in the surf market in the early 80s uh, because, you know, I'd, I'd have uh, certain retailers that jumped on with me uh, early and took a huge gamble. And then as the business started to grow and the boots became more popular, they were worried about me opening up another store nearby. And so... I had to be very mindful of this. And, and the first area that, that I really took action was in the, the uh, Hermosa Beach, uh, Redondo Beach area. Uh, we had ET surfboards that we were on very early and then, um, you know, three or four other stores that, that wanted the product. And eventually I just said, look, I, I'm getting so much pressure, I'm just going to sell them all. And so I did. And what happened was instead of, the sales getting lower for each store, all of the stores just went up to this really, really high level of sales. And it, it, it showed me that when I was just selling to one store, the item was like a product, right? But when every store in town had it, then it was like, oh, my God, these things must be for real. If all of the retailers are carrying them, these things must be for real. And so I got known as a category rather than just one item in a, as a product. And as the category built, then it got its own credibility. Now, if you can take that from, from you know, Southern California and start to extrapolate that across the different sports that I was going after and the different types of retailers, you know, I, I really wanted to just be in all the malls. And, you know, the, but the malls were saying, oh, you know, those will never take off. They're a fad. And it took me, I think, seven years to get an appointment with Nordstrom because they would say, oh, they're, they're not, you know, shoes. We, we sell shoes. I don't, you know, we don't sell those things. And a similar thing with Sports Chalet and, and a lot of the mall stores. And I was in Montgomery Ward's buying office in Chicago one year and I was trying to get an order for the California stores. And he goes, Brian, why are you here? And I'd just given my best sales pitch ever. And he goes... You know, I said, well, I'm getting an order for the California stores. And he goes, Brian, 
Don't you get it? We're the elephants. We don't move until the mice are running around under our feet. And I instantly knew what he meant, you know, that these big mall stores were not going to move on the product unless all of the specialty stores were just blowing out because, you know, they, they were risk-averse and they wanted to know a product was really going to sell before they'd take the risk. And so once I started selling, like I mentioned, to all of the surf shops in, in the Redondo Beach area, and they took off like crazy, and that, that happened up in the Malibu area, it happened down in San Diego, and lots, you know, Santa Cruz, all these places that, that where the, the critical mass just took it, that's when all of these mall stores started coming in. And then we had the problem of all the surf shops going, well, you can't sell to the malls, we're the ones that built the business, and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and so it was the same story over and over, but it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. But the bottom line is, once we opened, you know, Montgomery Wards and Kinney's and a few stores like that, then that's when the reality hit that we are really a category and we are the leaders of this sheepskin category rather than just being this cr- crummy little ug boot. So, so when you went from a product to a category and you were the defining brand in that category, what right. was the competition doing to try to take some of the luster or take some of the you know, the awareness away from you and put it on their brand? Can, can you think of any time that... Com- the competition then entered into the category and tried to... Yeah. Kind of, in okay. fact, I, I used to help my my competitors as long as they weren't trying to use the UGG trademark. You know, there were lots. There's Koruba. There was Aussie Dogs. There's a lot of companies out there that were legitimately coming in to take advantage of the category. And I tried to be as friendly as possible with them. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd help them as you know if, if I could in any way. And but any of the any company that came in trying to use the UG or knockoff of the UG somehow, I was very very um, you know wary and cautious of, of uh, you know trying to do everything to sort of stop them you know infringing on our mark. But uh, generally, the, the the category itself turned into a, a brilliant category and. Uh, I remember once, you know, remember I told you how hard it was to get into these mall stores? Yes. Well, I, got to, I got to the point where I was in the, the, the office of the CEO of Kinney Shoes in New York City in the Woolworth building, and they were a part of Foot Locker at the time. And uh, the, they, the, 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 I think it was the president, not the CEO, and he said, Brian, listen, You've, you've got a very difficult decision to make here because the whole world is talking about getting into shearing and, and sheepskin and they're all coming to me with, you know, offers to sell me, you know, a hundred thousand pair of shoes at a really low price. And he said, you must not chase them. He said, right now it's so popular that you've got a choice to either, you know, hold up and, back, you know, back up the brand or else you can chase them and try and beat them on price. And he said, I promise you, if you stay out of the market and don't discount and you uh, weather out this next year or two, you will end up owning the category uh, even stronger. And so I followed his advice, and lo and behold, you know, two years later, all these these cheapos had just gone out of business because there was no profit in it. Mm-hmm. And and it cleared out all of the, the, the you know, the ragtag, you know, competitors and we ended up then having a much more powerful brand with a much cleaner distribution and uh that that was one of the best bits of advice i ever received 
Well, that, that is really powerful advice, and congratulations to you for being wise enough at the moment to follow it. I'm sure you that decision was tested. Um, yeah, it so really was, yeah. We've got a few minutes left. I'm really curious about the next phase in your life. You know, I said you, you mentioned the book that you'd written. We talked about keynote speaking, and I know that you do sure. uh, coaching. Tell us a little bit about where you are now and what you're doing. Sure. Well, during the research, like I sold the company in the late 90s, and uh, I got invested in lightweight concrete and steel studs and, and created a, a precast concrete wall business that did fantastically for about four or five years until the recession hit in 2009. And then everything slowed down, and I pretty much lost that whole concrete investment. So in the meantime, I, I thought, you know, I've always wanted to write a book about the lessons I've learned and so I created a book called The Birth of a Brand, uh, Unleashing Your... Um, pa- your uh, I forget the, the, the tail end of it right now. It'll come back to me. But it was all about um, how to help entrepreneurs get started and then overcome the most incredible problems that you have in building a business. And, and the, the theme of the book is you can't give birth to adults. Every business, <laughs> doesn't matter if you're a starting out a new sitcom on TV or a sandwich shop or a, you know, a concrete business. It, it doesn't matter. What, whatever it is, it takes the same format, which is you have to conceive it, and then the first action is the birth. Like the UG buying six pairs of samples was the birth of UG. And then it just goes into a horrible infancy, and it lies there and it lies there, and there's no amount of extra food or shaking the cradle. Uh, this infant can't get up and go to college. It has to go through the infancy. But eventually it'll start to toddle and then it'll become a youth where, you know, that's a great stage. It can, you know, youth can get, come to the table and eat without, you know, needing help and they can put their pajamas on and go to the bathroom. And that's a really cool stage for every business because it means the orders are coming in, the production's good, the accounting's good and everything's working. But that'll soon go into the, the, you know, the youth and the teenage years and, Ugg, because it was a phenomenal product, uh, when Ugg hit the teenage years, it was in all sorts of trouble, just just like every teenager, you know. It wants to be at every party that's out there, and likewise, we had people from all over the country wanting it, and we weren't big enough to handle that at times. So I almost lost control of Ugg several times in that teenage phase, but then, you know, the maturity comes, and, and you know, the, the accountants put in all the systems, and it becomes a mature business. So that's the theme of the book, but it's full of philosophical points where, you know, for instance, there were several times when I did literally come come a day or so from losing the business, and yet some miracle would happen and I would scrape out of another disaster, you know, mostly because of the, the, the more successful I got sales-wise, the bigger problems I created for myself in financing and, and production. But I, I coined another phrase, which is most often your most disappointing disappointments become your greatest blessings. And when I use that on stage, I, I ask you know the audience to put their hands up if, if they've ever felt that. And I'd say 90% of the audience every single time can identify with the fact that, you know, I say, think back a year of some disaster that happened. And at the time, you thought it was the end of the world. And now you look back and say, thank God that happened. That was the best thing. And I say 90% of the people put their hands up again. So what I'm doing is reinforcing that, that 
you know, the the theme of, of running a business is very, very similar. It doesn't matter what the industry is or whether it's, you know, social media or, you know, internet-based or a hard product-based. It doesn't really matter. And so consequently, these these uh, the audience hears that, oh, my God, you know, I have people come up to me and say, I was going to give up my business this week, but now I understand I'm just coming out of the infancy. Thank you so much, Brian. And then... You know, I'll get a message a year later and say, hey, I'm doing really great. Thanks so much. Yeah. So that is the drug that keeps me speaking. I, I just love helping entrepreneurs. And, you know, it, very, very rarely I do pick up a coaching client from it, but I have to really resonate with the person and the product. You know, I, don't, I can't do startups where there's no money because, you know, that's a, that's a phase that, every entrepreneur has to go through and I'm more than happy to talk to them for a while but I can't get connected because I just don't have the, the time myself but you know now and again there's someone who's who's got their act together and they've, they've been battle tested and, and I can see how wow if these guys just had production they could take off and when, when I see them in that phase that's when I love to consult if someone would like to learn more about your what you're doing now, your speaking locations, etc., how how do they find you online, Brian? It's pretty simple. My, my website is briansmithspeaker.com. That's B-R-I-A-N. And my email is simply brian at briansmithspeaker.com. So if there are any people in that in that range that, that are, you know have proven their product and have been in business for a while but just need you know the, the takeoff for manufacturing or something like that, that's when I can be most effective. And I don't want to work with anybody where I'm not giving value because uh, the money's not that important to me. I, I really want to see people succeed. So. Well, I have so, yeah. thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you this afternoon here on critical mass radio show and podcast and i want to thank you for giving of your time being a friend of our program and a part of the community here and and all that you're contributing and helping thank you very much hey thanks rick and i'm pleased to see you're doing the same thing so it's a great calling thank you sir have a good day thanks a lot all right have a good day all right, ladies and gentlemen, it's t- my engineer is telling me it's time to wrap it up here on the radio show slash podcast. I'd like to thank our engineer, Paul Roberts. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show or the CEO peer groups that I lead, visit my website, company's website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 